Well, a SpaceX rocket launched 143 small satellites into orbit. That's a new record for a single rocket. That also is a whole lot of new space junk flying around this planet. More on that as we get into the show. What show, you ask? Well, this is Chewing the Fat. Welcome. So, SpaceX successfully launched a, their rideshare mission as it put 143 small satellites, uh, as I said, a new record, uh, into orbit. And then uh, the rocket landed back at sea uh, perfectly. Uh, no problem. No, no, no problem at all. It's just incredible. I was reading this story and you think, yeah, okay. It launched all these satellites. Well, I mean, on board this flight, 133 commercial satellites, uh, which means paying customers for SpaceX, 10 of the company's own Starlink internet satellites. The rideshare was in part facilitated by Spaceflight Incorporated, which helps small satellites book their perfect ride to space. The company ExoLaunch also arranged to fly 30 satellites for customers. Three small CubeSats are flying for NASA's VRX-3 mission to test new technologies for spacecraft communication and navigation. It's just amazing what we have flying around this planet right now. The sequence to launch them had to be timed perfectly. So 48 tiny satellites for the Earth observing company planet beginning to deploy at just under 59 minutes after liftoff. The last satellites to leave the rocket's upper stage will be SpaceX 10 Starlink satellites that are intended to provide better coverage to those in the polar regions. Also on board, three Hawk 2 satellites will be part of the global constellation of radio satellites that will be used to help monitor and locate emergency beacons and improve response times in emergencies. <laughs> there are also two Taiwanese satellites which will improve maritime navigation and help map out the Earth's ionosphere. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing. There are There were dozens of other payloads on board too that were just this is just an amazing time now it also means that we are going to have an incredible amount of space junk and as I've said before we need to create a space trash company and just go up and start cleaning them out pick them up and send them home and I don't know if you know who runs the trash industry, but I have a feeling they may run this industry as well. <laughs> and what was cool about this launch is that the launch trajectory of this mission follows a similar path of the one that launched last summer from Cape Canaveral. Uh, the rocket hugs the east coast of Florida, heading south over the Atlantic Ocean, so it could deposit its payload into what's known as a polar orbit. Now that means this type of orbit allows satellites to fly over the planet's poles. This is an amazing thing of why this didn't happen before. 
Okay. So uh, last summer, SpaceX received permission to launch flights bound for polar orbits for the first time since the 1960s. <laughs> now, I wonder why we couldn't do that. Well, let's see. In the late 60s, debris from a Thor rocket reportedly killed a cow in Cuba. So that ended the cycle of polar launches from Florida. So because it was reported that the Thor rocket killed a cow in Cuba, we couldn't do the polar launches. Well, we're doing them now. And be damned the cows in Cuba, I'll tell you that. All right, more space news. Humans could live on giant orbs floating in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter within the next 15 years. Wait, what? According to top scientist Dr. Pekka Janunen, P-E-K-K-A-J-A-N-H-U-N-E-N, he says, I'm guessing it's a he, I apologize, millions of people could inhabit a megacity in space by 2026. Now, Janunen is an astrophysicist at the Finnish Meteorological Institute in Helsinki described his vision in a research paper published, uh, you know, this month. I haven't had an opportunity to read the entire research paper. I know. In this blueprint for floating mega satellites, it's going to float around the dwarf planet Ceres, which lies roughly 325 million miles from Earth. I think we've seen this documentary before, <laughs> haven't we? Uh, for sure. What was the, what was Elysium, right? Uh, Wally. There's been plenty of documentaries talking about floating satellites <laughs> with humans. And we're going to do it by 2026. I don't know. I don't see that happening at all. His disc-shaped habitat would boast thousands of cylindrical structures, each home to more than 50,000 people. Those pods would be linked by powerful magnets and generate artificial gravity by slowly rotating. Residents would mine resources from Ceres 600 miles below the settlement and haul them back up using space elevators. <sighs> I know, I know it sounds really weird, but you know what I'm saying with low gravity and it rotates really relatively fast. Uh, the space elevator could happen, dude. Isn't that what they did to mine uh, on obtainium in Avatar? No, no, they didn't do that. It went down when they became the other creatures in Avatar. Never mind. It's something completely different. I don't know what I was what I was thinking. I mean, this is amazing. I, I just uh, I find this okay. I mean, this is great. Go ahead, publish your paper. Do whatever you want. Um, it's now they claim the research was published the first part of this month, twenty twenty one. But uh, it's not yet been peer-reviewed by scientists. Here, let me give you an idea of what the peer review will be. 
Um, how about no? <laughs> now, according to his paperwork, uh, it doesn't. They're saying that it doesn't solve the threats of rogue asteroids or space radiation. Now he believes that if you put giant cylindrical mirrors placed around the mega satellite, that could protect it from bombardment of all kinds. Plus, those mirrors would also focus sunlight onto the habitat for the growth of crops and other plant life. So he's got it figured out. He's got it figured out. We're good to go. Don't worry about anything that's happening on this planet. We're going to be off. So it's all good to go. We're going to be living on a floating asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter within the next 15 years. It's all good. It's all good. All right, let's let's move to real life for a second. Jeff, that was real life. It was a real scientist, Jonathan. He was talking about moving to a floating asteroid in 2026. I know. But let's tell you what. Let's just come back to Earth. <laughs> okay? All right, good. So a California man who police said claimed to be the police said this man claimed to be too afraid to fly due to COVID-19 hid out for three months in a secured area of O'Hare International Airport until this weekend when he was arrested Aditya Singh 36 charged with felony criminal trespass to a restricted area of an airport and misdemeanor theft I say we let this guy go, but I mean, the courts may disagree. So prosecutors said Singh arrived at O'Hare on a flight from Los Angeles on October 19th and has lived in the airport's security zone ever since without detection. The judge was amazed that this actually happened. The judge, Cook County Judge Susanna Ortiz, said, So if I understand you correctly, you're telling me that an unauthorized, non-employee individual was allegedly living within a secure part of the O'Hare Airport Terminal from October 19, 2020 to January 16, 2021, and was not detected. I want to understand you correctly. Early this past weekend, two United Airlines employees approached Singh and asked to see his identification. He uh, lowered his face mask and showed them an airport ID badge that he was wearing around his neck. The badge actually belonged to an operations manager who had reported it missing October 26th. The employees called 911. Police took Singh into custody. And there we go. So he he claimed to have found the badge in the airport, was scared to go home due to COVID, told the judge other passengers were giving him food. He's got, he does not have a criminal background. He said he has a master's degree in hospitality and is unemployed. So he lives in Southeast Los Angeles, but, you know, unemployed now. Uh, he acknowledged the circumstances were unusual, but noted the allegations were nonviolent 
it was unclear what brought Singh to Chicago and if he has any ties to the area. Well, okay. So according to the uh, condition of his bail, he's barred from stepping foot in the airport again. If he's able to post, if he's able to post bond, he's due back in court January 27th. Now, the judge says, hey, I find these circumstances quite shocking for the alleged period of time that has occurred being in a secured part of the airport under a fake ID badge, uh, allegedly, based upon the need for airports to be absolutely secure so that people feel safe to travel. Then the judge says, I do find these alleged actions make him a danger to the community. No way. This guy is living at the airport all this time and he did nothing. He's not a danger to the community. I mean, there may be a, you know, some kind of mental issue, but he's living there. He's scared to go home due to COVID. He's in Chicago. He's from California, two of the worst lockdown areas in the country. And he's scared to do anything. So he finds a way to survive in this secure area and everybody just lets it be. It happens. No problem. Have a nice day. He's not a danger to the community. I'm sorry. No, I, I, we just let the, let this guy go. He's not a danger to the community. And we should talk to him about how he survived all this time in the airport, dodging all of security. Uh, I mean, the judge has got a great point. Uh, How did this actually happen? We want to feel safe at the airport. If he was a danger to the community, I think, and I, you know, again, I could be wrong, but he probably would have acted sometime between October 19th and January 16th. Instead, he was just hanging out, right? I mean, come on now. Come on. He's not a danger. No, I disagree. Let the man go. You know, after we find out all his secrets on how he remained hidden all this time. And then let him go. Thanks and take care. Back to California you go. All right, so we talked last week about uh, someone in Maryland uh, winning $731.1 million from the Powerball. We know that it came from a Coney Market convenience store in Allegheny County. The store, <laughs> the store gets 100000 That's not bad. That's not bad. I'm sure the little Coney Market in this small mining town <laughs> uh, could use the extra 100000 from the lottery. No problem. And one of the people in this small area uh, just won $731 million. Congratulations. But then we found out that someone in Michigan, in a suburb of Detroit, Novi, at a Kroger store, bought the Mega Millions $1.5 billion jackpot ticket. Wow. I mean, do I want to say congratulations? Sure. I sure do. I want to say congratulations. And man, I couldn't be happier for you. I want to say that. Really do. I really do. Did I tell you about the woman who won a $60 million lottery? And since she got the winning numbers from her husband's dream. Now that headline is a tad misleading because you say, wow. Okay. So that's kind of cool, right? She got the, she got the numbers from her husband's dream and they won 60 million. 
I mean, that's good. Good for her, right? I mean, it's inspiring, and you want to be happy for him, don't you? Sure you do. You, you most definitely want to be happy for him. So this 57-year-old lady won the $60 million jackpot in the Ontario Lottery and Gaming, and she's a mother of two, laid off during the pandemic, went to the bank uh, to pay some bills while her husband checked the tickets and the husband said, we won. I mean, that's how great is that? That's, that's what you want. Those are the, those are hopefully the kind of people that you want to win the ticket. Now, the reason I say that the headline is a little misleading and makes you go, okay. So, uh, the dream that her husband had uh, was 20 years ago. So they've been playing these same numbers for 20 years. That is not inspiring. That does not make me feel better. It does not. No. I want to know that I had a dream. I saw these numbers. I played the numbers. They won. That's how fast it was. But no. No. It took 20 years of playing the lottery. These same stupid dream numbers to finally win. I mean, congratulations. Yeah, it's great. You won 60 million with the dream numbers. Happy for you. Couldn't be happier for you, but oof, that does not make me feel better having to wait for 20 years. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make me feel better. But hey, what do I know? All right, let's go to the break room. I need a nice <laughs> cold drink. That is for sure. I may need something stronger. No, I haven't had anything stronger in quite some time. It may be time to start. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is so good. Okay. Over the weekend, we lost Larry King. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. We lost him. Dead at the age of 87. Now, I love the headlines that say the cause of death was not clear. Well, he went into the hospital uh, not long ago for COVID-19. And you knew that at 87 and his pre-existing conditions, he would be lucky to survive. And he didn't. Very sad. Very sad. I loved Larry King. Look, he was easy to make fun of, but the guy did thousands of interviews. And he interviewed people from presidents, the celebrities, the athletes. I mean, just an amazing career, right? I mean, he, he did overnight radio for years. He was one of the, I mean, he was pre-Art Bell. Right, and he, he took you know open lines and open lines America, I think it was called or something like that. I mean, he was, I mean, the guy was incredible. Right, he'd been on on the air for years. He's Larry King. He's Larry King. Everybody's got a Larry King story for the full hour. Everybody's got a Larry King story, but me. I'm so bummed. I never met Larry King. I never saw him walking down the street. I never shook his hand. I never waved to him from a car. Nothing. All I've got is, you know, like you, Larry King on TV and radio. That's it. That's it. I don't have any special stories about Larry King. I'm really bummed. So I was reading all these, everybody's experience with Larry King. You know, and I remember reading a story once about him uh, always, you know, going for his daily haircut. And I thought, man, that's, that's Larry King. 
right? The guy gets up every day, goes for his coffee, talks to his pals, goes for his daily haircut, got to be trimmed up just perfect. And, you know, you get on with your days. Larry King. So then I was sent a thread from Amy Carrero. She is uh, an actress. You may know her from She-Ra on Netflix. Elena of Avalar on Disney+. Plus Says here on her Twitter account, gets political. She slash her Latinx. Okay. So she does a big thread about Larry King. And I thought it was a, it was just another fascinating Larry King story. Larry King wanted the perfect bagel. When I worked as a waitress in Beverly Hills, he'd come in for lunch almost every Thursday. The hostesses always gave him the best table, a corner booth, which just so happened to be my regular section. I don't remember his order. I do remember that most of his body weight was concentrated in his lower half piece of information I was relieved to have. I had long worried that if his famously pointed shoulders were a sign of not getting enough to eat, I'm Latin and worry about these things. Larry could never find a great bagel in Los Angeles. This plagued him. He thought about it a lot. It's the water, he said. There are certain properties in New York City water that produce the perfect dough for the perfect bagel. I'd heard that about the pizza, I told him. He'd finally had enough of mediocre West Coast bagels and was opening his own bagel joint just down the street. It was 90s kitchenette-themed neon signs speckled for Michael Laminate. Will you import the water from New York? He leaned in, energized. No. They'd built a state-of-the-art contraption that would turn regular Los Angeles water into Brooklyn water. A delicate combination of minerals and science would pump out the perfect New York water that would produce the perfect dough and result in the perfect bagel. Sounds complicated, I said. He seemed graciously interested when I recounted an essay about her trip to... uh, about a trip to the municipal water treatment plant, I hadn't realized how much work went into uh, into the water, no matter how subpar. Come and check it out. We keep the machine by the window. I did. In the weeks following, we'd chat about the construction of the restaurant. The font used in the sign for the original Brooklyn Water Bagel Company wasn't what he'd imagined, but Larry came around to it. After the grand opening, he stopped coming around for lunch. Why would he come back? He could have as many perfect bagels as he wanted. I'd stop in for one every now and then, hoping to catch a glimpse of my old friend. The bagels were great. Eventually, I moved on too. I had enough acting work to quit my day job in Beverly Hills and had little reason to find myself in the neighborhood. It's been years since I thought of Larry and his bagels when I woke up this morning to the news of his passing. The first thing I did was Google his bagel place. It's still there, alive and well, and very perfect. That'll have to be enough for now. And it's the Brooklyn Water Bagel, Beverly Hills. Just a, you know, just a Larry King story, which I don't have. I'm so bummed. I want to, for the full hour, I want a Larry King story, and now I can't have one. And now it's something I won't ever be able to get is a Larry King story. And anyway, I, I could do a retro I should put one. I, should, I, I had time this weekend to put one together, and I just couldn't do it because I was so... I mean, I love Larry King. I'm sorry to see him go. He was, man. Ted Turner called him, you know, the world's greatest broadcast journalist of all time. I don't know. Is he? I mean, he certainly interviewed tens of thousands of people in his lifetime. And, you know, it seems like everybody's got a Larry King story but me. But I don't want to make this about me. Larry King. Dead. At the age of 87. 
All right, just a reminder, if you're listening to this show right now and you're not a subscriber to Chewing the Fat, please do so. Subscribe to Chewing the Fat podcast. Uh, It's available on a plethora of platforms. You can choose whichever one warms the cockles of your heart. There's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more that just you'll be able to subscribe and be happy and turn your life around to turn that frown upside down, become a subscriber to chewing the fat. For those of you that, uh, you know, plus I give you some extra stuff. I mean, I give and I give and I give, but I gave you a special Saturday podcast this weekend, a special execution show. (laughs) There's nothing like an execution show on the weekends, right? Right. Federal executions and the crimes they committed. Hello? Nothing like that. I mean, I know that uh, our latest, newest president, Joe Biden, that's tough to say, uh, urged, is being urged to commute sentences of all 49 federal death row prisoners. So, I mean, when you, I go down the list of what the 13 that were executed the last 13 that were executed under the previous administration, uh, what they did to get there, uh, you realize, uh, you know what? Uh, they deserve to be there. Yeah, they did. They deserve to be there. And uh, you know what? It's okay. I'm okay with uh, with having them be uh, executed. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm okay with it. Weird. But anyway, uh, so it's there. I mean, I give and I give, so subscribe. It's just that simple. And then I posted a video on my YouTube channel, an interview on my YouTube channel from Friday, where I interviewed uh, my man from the Bobblehead uh, Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, That's up on YouTube as well, my YouTube channel. So just go there and, uh, you know, follow that as well. Uh, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher and just click on the notification bell so you get notified when the new videos pop up. I know. I know. It's okay. You're welcome. So apparently, Barbie needs to make more Maya Angelou dolls. I know. Is it Angelo? Angelou. Maya Angelou. Uh, Apparently, they have not made enough. Now, Barbie's mission is to inspire. And they chose Maya Angelou. And they announced that the cherished poet and civil rights activist had been added to Barbie's Inspiring Women series. Yes, Rosa Parks, Ella Fitzgerald, and Susan B. Anthony has Maya Angelou standing right next to them. However, they're already sold out. And the fans are like, hey, 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 we want more. What are you doing? What do you mean it's sold out? It's got, uh, I mean, apparently the doll has a curvy, more realistic physique. And... uh, It's a fitting addition to the collection. Uh, yes, it is. And uh, man, oh man, I wish you could. I wish it was a, you know, a talking doll where you pulled the string so that uh, you could say, have her, you know, do some of her poems. Oh, like I know why the caged bird sings. And it would just, oh wait, that's her memoir. That's not actually her poem. What's the stupid rock poem? I know it's not stupid. It was the presidential inauguration poem from 1993. 
a rock, a river, a tree. Host to species long since departed, marked the mastodon, the dinosaur, who left dried tokens of their sojourn here on our planet floor. Any broad alarm of their hastening doom is lost in the gloom of dust and ages. I mean, and on and on it goes. It's, it's too pretty for me to continue. But, man, does it bring back... You, want, you wish you could just pull the string and have her say it. A rock, a river, a tree. Hosts to species long since departed marked the mastodon, the dinosaur who left dry tokens of their sojourn here on our planet floor. Any broad alarm of their hastening doom is lost in the gloom of dust and ages. Like I said, don't you wish that that poem, uh, it's not called a rock, a river, and a tree. It's called On the Pulse of Morning. Man, if you could just have that doll say that, Wow, would it be even better. I would cherish it even more than I would just having the the doll that you couldn't pull the string back and have the poem go for you. I mean, the poem is only, I don't know, five minutes long. Wouldn't it be great to have that as a as a toy in your house? Yes is the answer. Yes. Did you know? That according to at Uber Facts, in the U.S., dolls defined uh, to include human figures are taxed at a higher rate than toys, which include non-human creatures. Way back in 2003, Marvel successfully argued that because mutants are not humans, X-Men toys should be taxed at a lower rate. So, I mean, we're clear here our Maya Angelou talking or not talking doll is taxed at a higher rate because it's a human figure wow that is nothing like America is there nothing that's what I was thinking they just you know the story of the Oklahoma lawmaker who proposed Bigfoot hunting season now the story is that oh my gosh we're gonna have a Bigfoot hunting season it's the ape-like creature it's captured the imagination of adventurers for decades so a republican house member has introduced a bill that would create a bigfoot hunting season now of course you know they have the bigfoot festival in the southeast oklahoma near arkansas border in the washita mountains and they're saying that, uh, you know, a state hunting license and tag would help boost tourism. No, what it would do is enhance revenue. Yes, that's what it would do. It, establishing an actual hunting season and issuing licenses for people who want to hunt Bigfoot will just draw more people to our already beautiful part of the state. Yes. And, of course, the bill would only allow trapping. (laughs) We're not saying kill it. (laughs) And if you catch one, we'll give you $25,000. So you're good to go. Now, the Department of Wildlife 
converse, conservation uh, spokesperson, spokesman. Oh, wow. They need to fix that in Oklahoma. Spokesman. Uh, Mika Holmes, uh, which oversees hunting in Oklahoma, told in, a, in an interview said, oh, the agency uses science-driven research and doesn't recognize Bigfoot. Mika, that's not the point. The point is enhancing the bottom line of Oklahoma by charging people to get a license. So it's part of the deal. You're able to go hunting for Bigfoot. You have to have a license. And you're, if you're going to show up to the, the big Bigfoot party that goes on. I'm sorry, the Bigfoot festival that goes on in the O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A mountains. Yeah, Washita Mountains. Uh, they'll be enhancing revenue, more tax dollars. I mean, that's just that's America. That's America right there. I love it. Not really. I should be able to hunt Bigfoot when I want to hunt Bigfoot without having the government tell me it's okay. And Disney is slipping. I gotta tell you, Disney. I know that they've got the streaming. We did the story last week about. Uh, uh, Iger and the other Bob that uh, didn't get their bonuses. All they made was, you know, I don't know, 20 or 15 million or whatever for the year. It's no wonder. It's no wonder. So they've closed the Hall of Presidents attraction to add the Joe Biden animatronic. Now, we'll talk about, I know plenty of people, it's time to close that. We've got to end that. Yeah, we want to shut down everything that because there's there's political divisions, we've got to shut it down. I know, I know, but let me back up just a little bit. So it's January, 2021. We've known for quite some time that Joe Biden was going to be president of the United States, and we're just now shutting the Hall of Presidents down to bring in the animatronic. This is why they're not getting their bonuses. Somebody is not is not on top of things at Disney. I don't know what the deal is, but come on now. Now, so they're saying that it's time to shut the Hall of Presidents down. Now, okay, I know it's that Magic Kingdom theme park, and uh, they've noticed that the ride's been closed. So, okay. The ride is will be refurbished to add an audio animatronic version of the country's newly inaugurated president. Yay! Now, it includes versions of every president in the U.S. with some past presidents delivering speeches along other, you know, alongside other patriotic fanfare. Yay! Now... Other people are saying, hey, we need to shut this down. It's, you know, it's pointless now. And they, it was a great deal when they had Mr. Lincoln way back in, you know, 1964. And they thought it was this animatronic. It was a cool thing. And then they, you know, made it one of the original attractions uh, in 1971 at Disney World. But... Okay, so it was really cool, and you know, it was Lincoln was speaking, and it was great. And then, and then we got uh, the inauguration of Bill Clinton, 
which was in 1993, which is where we had a rock, a river, and a tree presented to us. Same inauguration. And so, you know, Clinton got a speaking role, of course. And the entire show was revamped to specifically mention slavery and civil rights. And then George W. Bush was given time to speak, which was replacing the Clinton speech. And then, of course, Barack Obama got to give a speech alongside Lincoln and George Washington. And then they closed it for a refurbishment to add President Trump, which, of course, they had to install features, you know, security features, because people were trying to jump on stage to get the, you know, to ruin the Trump, the the Trump animatronic, the people who, the people who hate Donald Trump so much couldn't go through Disney World and listen to him speak as an animatronic, knowing it wasn't real. We have to try to destroy him. It's just incredible. But now they're saying, hey, 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 with the growing political divisiveness in this country, it's time for Disney to put this attraction uh, away. And let's just pretend like it just wasn't there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's just cancel everything that we don't like. Right? We're upset. And re- remember, they've uh, they've already started to get rid of Splash Mountain Ride because of its connections with Song of the South. I mean, I mean, if Disney is going to walk down the road of Disney of late, you can, you know, the Hall of Presidents probably will go away. They'll probably say this is the last run and we're going to change it to, you know, the Hall of Barbie Dolls and maybe we'll have, <laughs> maybe we'll have Angelo or Lou or whatever the hell her name is. I stop just joking. She can give us a rock river and a tree and everybody can do their little poem. It'll be great. I mean, we had the poem from this past inauguration with, uh, with the kid, Amanda Gorman. And she was great. And I didn't realize that she got the endorsement of Obama for the gold clipped braids and Oprah gifted the young lady, Amanda Gorman, the 22 year old, the earrings. I mean, that makes it even more special. And to hear her poem, which was, you know, five minutes long about titled the hill we climb. Oh man. Oh, where is her doll? Where is her doll? And where is the string that I pull to get when day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. All right, all right, all right, all right. that's enough. Thanks, Amanda, I appreciate it. It's beautiful, right? Just beautiful. And where is her doll? Where is her doll? You can bet. It will, it will come. It will come very soon. Very soon. I'll tell you who isn't getting a doll. Christian author, Jen Hatmaker. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jen, but she gave the opening prayer 
for faith leaders at the National Prayer Service last week. The event held every four years, the day after the presidential inauguration in honor and pray for the president and the country. Well, she, (laughs) she is now begging people's forgiveness because you guessed it. She thanked God for giving America the land we have. Now she claims that they wrote the prayer for her. Right. But sure, I believe her. Sure. No, no problem. Now I I could find the audio, but I don't it's too horrific. It's too horrific to play. She began by saying, Almighty God, you have given us this good land as our heritage. Make us always remember your generosity and constantly do your will. Bless our land with honest industry and an honorable way of life. I mean the horror the horror she took to her Facebook account shortly after the event to say just how sorry she was. Uh, She claims that the line made her stomach hurt all day. She wanted people to know that she did not write the line she uttered as part of the prayer. And I didn't read the line beforehand. But it was those damn event organizers who gave her the words, thank God, because, oh man, you, the thanking God for giving us this land as our heritage? Uh, no. Uh, I knew as soon as I said it, she claimed. And I panicked and I froze, but I just kept going. So wait, you panicked? And froze. And then you just kept going. Okay. All right. All right. But she's apologizing now. Uh, Wow. Especially to her native friends. It matters to her, Jen, that, you know, we reckon with our history of white supremacy and the lies we surround it with. And she is filled with regret. Oh, man. She did not. I don't know. I don't know. She just... She wasn't the one that wrote it. Um, She was very upset. She wanted to denounce white supremacy. And this land was stolen. Okay. You got that? All right. He didn't give us this land. All right. We took this land by force and trauma. It wasn't an innocent divine transaction in which God bestowed an empty continent to colonizers. I mean, holy cow. These are the... Holy. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I mean, cow. I mean, I can't even say cow now because it, it could be hit by a satellite. And I could claim that it was hit by a satellite and then they'd have to stop launching satellites over the poles. So just... Apologies. Okay? <laughs> apologies. Christian author Jen Hatmaker, you have made me want to... Wow, read your stuff. She's an author, a podcast host, and a speaker who lives in Austin, Texas. Man, do I want to get to know Jen Hatmaker because she is the religious faith leader I want leading our country. Almost like a president who, 
is a devout Catholic who believes in abortion. Yes, so it's perfect. What am I thinking of? Of course, of course, we have a faith leader apologizing for thanking God. Of course we do. What am I thinking? I don't even know where to go after it. I mean, I could talk about the weather, which is, you know, brought on by God. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's brought on by some sort of climate change because it's snowing in Malibu. It's snowing in Arizona. And it's just incredibly hot. No, wait, it's not incredibly hot. It's climate. No, it's just the, the climate is just changing. And it's because of you nasty humans. I mean, us, me too, is the, we're causing all of this to happen. And we need to do something about it. What we need to do is make oil prices get really, really high so people stop using their vehicles. Almost like shutting down a country for months on end. And then that didn't really help. But we need to do that really quick, right? To help this during this pandemic be wonderful yeah be great would be great don't forget i told you that the numbers are going to get better with covid19 and because of the uh the cycle threshold values we talked about it last week and i talked about it on pat's show as well uh because the who said that they were testing with too high a rate right so they were going to start testing with the lower rate they've already started doing it in america at the Kansas Department of Health, and the numbers are already starting to go down. So just wait when you hear of this dark time in America from our new administration. We've got to get these numbers turned around, and you've got to wear 18 masks to make yourself safe and not get COVID-19. And the world needs to be shut down, and we need to stop people coming into this country. And when we start getting better numbers, because the testing is going to go to a lower cycle threshold value, which will be less false positives, so there'll be more negative testing and less positives, it'll be because of this great administration has turned us around. 18 masks work. And all the lockdowns work, except they don't because states and municipalities are opening back up, amazingly, after the new administration took office. Huh. It's almost as if they wanted the old administration gone. It's almost as if that is what they were hoping for. But maybe it's just me. (laughs) Maybe it's just me. And I see where Elena Dunham, who has to try to stay relevant because she is agonizing. But she uh, was fantasizing about being Hunter Biden's wife. <laughs> and she was posting that I cannot wait to spend the holidays at the White House when I'm Hunter Biden's beautiful wife. And I, I got news for you, Elena. Uh, two things. He's married. Uh, He goes for a lot better looking hookers than you. A lot better. All right. His baby mama on her worst day was better than you. And she was a stripper dancing around poles in Ohio. Okay. So, and I, even with, no, I better not say that because even with a crack pipe, you might not be good enough for him, but that's probably not true. (laughs) 
<laughs> so let me let me say this. You better hope that Hunter is back on the pipe when you're around, because then you got a shot. Other than that, it's just a dream. Oh, <laughs>